0: Brotherhood, multiplication, restoration. We are Sin Network. We're a family, planting churches together. Join us as we hear from leaders of this movement from across North America and discover what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone. What's up, Sin Network? I hope all is well. We are in it again, another day with we. Um, We are Sin Network, the podcast, and really hopefully you are staying strong in the midst of this pandemic. I know that it is taking a lot longer than any of us have expected, but um, we have to keep pressing on, keep holding on to the, and keep holding on to Christ and his unchanging love for you and for me and for his people, and so, I am here today with Kaysavan. He is the pastor of Fellowship Church in Rouge Park. And for those of you who don't know, that is in Toronto, actually the east side of Toronto. Um, It is a place, a country that I love. It is the place in a country that I have lived and I am excited always to connect with my fellow Canadians. Can I say that, Kaysavon? My fellow Canadians, seeing that I have a brother and a sister and I
1: have lived some time in Canada. Absolutely. It's uh, awesome to connect with you. Yes.
0: So I'm excited, man, just to, to talk with you today. I mean, you have an amazing story. You have been highlighted many times um, in the network, but just also just excited about kind of the, the work that you've, been, that you've been doing. Like COVID-19 has been impacting all of us. You just heard some new news you know, just about the schools and, you know, and the government and just reopening. I know that you guys are in phase three there in Canada. This, talk to me about like, a little bit about kind of where you are and how you've been navigating this season in the, in the COVID-19 pandemic.
1: Um, yeah, so just like the rest of our country and, uh, you know, much of the U.S., uh, in March, uh, we went on, you know, isolation lockdown, uh, schools were closed. Uh, a lot of businesses, uh, people from working from home. Uh, so we experienced something that we've never experienced in my 30 years of living in this country, uh, trying to better understand. Uh, we have a number of people who work in the health professional uh, in our church and everybody, again, it's, it's very new. Um, and so it's forced us as a church to think, how do we still stay connected, pray, care, make disciples and still reach the nations? And God in his providence has given us some unique opportunities through that because people are hurting. And they're open to talking about brokenness and suffering and loneliness. And so uh, it's a unique opportunity. Much of it is praying for wisdom as elders of the church and how we can both uh, shepherd our people and encourage the church to reach those who are around us.
0: So what have been your rhythms, you know, in this time? You know, are you, are you gathering, not gathering? Like what has what's your, what's your rhythms?
1: Um, so uh, for the first few months, it's pretty much been online uh, from March. From mid-march till about uh june uh and then we went into stage two uh where um, they allowed up to 10 people to gather so what we did was we we went to where we were in the beginning of our church plan we were a house church and so we we made all of our small groups into a house church model and um that began to grow and so we had to open up more and more homes uh for those who were comfortable with it for those who could safely host And so that grew and that helped us in our discipleship relationship. It helped us in our fellowship. Some of us were meeting in our backyards, wherever we could do so, or in the parks. Um, And finally, now this coming Sunday, August 9th, uh, we are able to uh, meet uh, in person again in the school. We got our permits back and, uh, but it's very uh, controlled and there's a lot of uh, restrictions, Uh, but we're grateful to meet again as a body. And uh, we are looking forward
0: So is that, would that be everybody? I mean, is there like in this phase three, like how many people
1: are able to meet? Right. So it goes from a province to province, uh, also municipality, which is the city. We're in Toronto. And so our province actually said for, uh, we actually in the month of May and June, we're reaching out to our uh, political leaders in our communities as a whole and talking about that this uh, the local church is essential to the people in this community and how we care for them, serve them, um, funerals, all these different things. So what we've asked for them was to allow us not to make a, uh, a, a just a number of forty or fifty, but make let it be um, a percentage of our capacity, our the fire code capacity. So right now the the capacity is thirty percent of your of your seating capacity. Uh, so if it's three hundred then you get to have 90 people. So the school gym we meet in allows for more than 300. So we sort of capped it at 90 people. Uh, Prior to the lockdown, uh, we were averaging just above that. So we're thankful that we can even have 90 people get back together.
0: Yeah, amen. So, I mean, what would you say just from as a missiologist, as a church planter and, you know, trying to plant your church, trying to get your church going, what has been some of the challenges during the covid 19 virus and pandemic and what has been some of the like the actual joys and it's actually you've learned some new normals and new some new rhythms when it comes to um, pastoring a church
1: in this pandemic right so uh, with every culture we you know we've been having to deal with and help people process uh, cultural idols like hey if my life is consumed with sports eating out there's a lot of stuff already all, all of a sudden that we're taking away that we con- are consumed with. So uh, we have people that we're trying to walk with that all of a sudden don't know what to do with their lives. And it gave us an opportunity to actually talk about the reality of the gospel, how that's all encompassing and that how that gives us purpose and meaning. Um, and where we find true fellowship that it's not in the world ultimately, but it's with the one and others. Uh, we've had people who just um Experience uh, seasonal depression, uh, loneliness. So there's been a lot of in care, but also a number of our members have been able to be vulnerable and open up to those who are not in the faith mm-hmm. uh, around them, friends, family, maybe students, uh, and reach reach them and, and and evangelize. And we have people who've come to faith during this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been neat. some of the uh, some of the fruit that the Lord has graciously given us is that. Because we were uh, separated and we were on our own, uh, some of our members wanted to pray more. So in the months of April and May, we had prayer calls every evening where people can dial in uh, and we prayed for about an hour. We've had a number of leaders step up and take turns. So I'm not the same person doing it every night. And it was wonderful to see our people pray together Mm -hmm. during this time. And so we would pray for various things. And as we prayed together, our main aim was help people read a passage of scripture and pray it. So also teaching our people how to pray scripture, Christ-centered prayers, not just man-centered prayers. And so those things give way to fruit of just further being able to um, walk in joy, encourage one another. And now that we're opening up, uh, our sense is that we have a greater level of of, of value uh, for each other, for the local church and what God is doing.
0: No, man, that's amazing. Isn't it? Nothing, it's nothing like times of crisis or times of darkness that can bring a church together, especially in a time when we're not in control of so many things. So it's always beautiful to see that um, taking place. You know, and so 2020 has been a really crazy year that we are experiencing so many different things. Like we, we, we've been talking about, we're in the midst of a pandemic. We, you know, specifically in the U.S., I don't know how it is in Canada, but in the U.S., there's unemployment rate is through the roof. There's economic downfall. I mean, there's so much that is taking place. Businesses are shutting down. But there's also racial tension and ethnic tension that has taken place in the United States. Um, you know, talk to me a little bit about kind of the history of Canada's, like racial tension or ethnic tensions, or specifically kind of, or even your experience in that. Is like, is it similar? Is it different? Like. What, what, as you have seen kind of this taking place over here in the States, how does that, and the second part is, how does that impact your ability to make disciples um, in, in Canada and specifically in Toronto?
1: Sure. Um, most certainly I'm not an expert at this. Uh, from my understanding, uh, studies, conversations, just speaking broadly with people even in our city, historically, uh, the most significant racial tension in Canada has been between the aboriginals and and and, and the white community uh, in a sense of uh, policies, governments uh, that have happened uh, in in the history of Canada. Uh, in fact, i uh, a number of years ago, probably about fifteen years ago now, I worked in a uh, native community uh, in a farm, um, and as I got to know some of them, they're deep wounds um, and the problem was that there's just a lack of engagement with uh from the christian community i think some might have tried but when i was there um there was just a lot of resentment from some of them so that's historically uh, been the the deepest wound in, in in the country um it goes some of that goes back to the building of the trans canada railway uh for the purpose of economic growth and trade uh but when that happens uh, you want to build through you you take away land and property and you move people people go into camps And there was mistreatments that happened. So that's sort of the the big, and the other one is residential schools. So historically speaking, there are some of those things that exist that has hurt. And that has been acknowledged by the government and apologized for.
0: So how do these attentions, like what effects do they have on either planting churches, you trying to plant churches and becoming a multiplying church or um, just making disciples?
1: Right. Right. So look, you know, Canada, we, we, in one sense, we rejoice and we celebrate um, a country that is, you know, multi-ethnic, uh, the diversity, uh, you know, it, it's it's held up as a sort of a, a flag bearer in that around the world. And so, but as we move here into, for example, the three biggest cities in Canada, Toronto, Montreal and Vancouver, receive more than 70% of the immigration. So we we, it's an influx here. Uh, and so we celebrate this, but also what that brings us is religious pluralism. Um, it brings us a number of things. In fact, uh, the Christian faith is looked down upon more and more, almost like, you know, we don't, we don't really want this, but we want to, we want to celebrate everything else. So in the midst of this, what God is doing is God is raising up people of all nations, bringing them to faith so that we're reaching people of all nations who are moving here. Um, and, and I think, uh, it's a unique way in Toronto. I can speak for, for my from what we're doing in the east end of Toronto. Uh, for example, we have the University of Toronto campus here, very close to our church. We work with students from all over the world that come here and that study. And we, our aim is to is to reach them by sharing the gospel, by using our homes, by having hospitality, a number of those things uh, as 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 a consistent thing in the in, in our in our lives, in our members' lives. We use our homes and. Um, that our diversity, in one sense or another, speaks to the beauty of the gospel.
0: Hmm. So, are people? I mean, is it one of those things as a subject matter that come up? Is it something that just, you know, like do? you, How do you address the encounter? Kind of, we just did um, a video series that we're actually going to be releasing in the Undivided, and while. Right. Um, the Undivided Series is really focusing on the American experience. There are some still some strong biblical principles applicable to like all different mm-hmm. contexts, and really we hope our viewers to be able to gain a greater context of kind of race and ethnicity and and the things that divide us, you know, mm-hmm. in the states or in Canada or even beyond, and really get a chance to show how the gospel applies. But my question to you is: Is there a sense? where it's kind of like you know this is not something that you that oftentimes you talk about or you know this is not a, it's not an issue specifically relating to your church I, I mean i recognize that toronto is the most diverse city in all of north america so i wonder specifically about, about a place like toronto that has such mm-hmm. diversity like you said so many um so much diversity so much culture so much ethnicity Is just like they're bound to be tensions. And my question is, is that, um, how do you guys address that tension and like, how does that apply? And what does that look like in your church?
1: Yeah, that's so true. Uh, I think it's often said that between Sydney or London and Toronto that we're one, two or three when it comes to diversity of Mm -hmm. of ethnicities. Uh, In fact, more than 50% of the population in Toronto are people who are born outside the country. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're quite diverse. Uh, but for all, again, it's the celebratory aspects of it, um, it is not hard for us to judge our, others. In fact, uh, as, as sinners, it's a natural reflex of all people that we prejudge people based on skin, gender, age, or even style. Um, and so this is, of the, this is really true of even in Toronto. Uh, as you move further away from the main cities, that might be even a bit more pro- but uh, let me share some similarities and differences as we think through this between even like Canada and the U.S. Uh, we are multicultural. We have many minority groups here in Canada, uh, and of course that includes the Black community, the Asian, the Latino communities, just to name a few. Um, and so we're founded by you know European imperialism. We have Judeo-Christian values, um, and there's vast opportunities for for success, for 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 progress. Um, some of the differences is that. That the racial tension here, for example, in Toronto is not just black and white, uh, but it's sometimes Caribbean, Indian, African, Chinese, Southeast Asian. uh, So it exists that way. So sometimes the racial tension are between even minority groups. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's within the minority groups. So in my own uh, time here in Canada, 30 years, is that I've experienced both. Growing up, going to school, I've experienced tensions between, I come from a Tamil background, the Tamils, uh, and sometimes the black students, but sometimes the Tamils and the whites. Uh, there's, a, you know, we're trying to learn English, for example, and people are making fun of you. I've been told, hey, go back to your country. Um, so a number of those things. And then it's within the minority groups even. And sadly, over time, sometimes we turn on our own. and And that's how I got into trouble. That's how I, as a 19-year-old, Ruined my life and and God, by his mercy, saved me and opened my eyes. So it's not just the the black and white, but because we have the diversity of these communities, sometimes it's within, and sometimes there is a lack of trust from one community to another because of a particular example. Let me give you one example. I sat in maximum security prison many years ago here in, in our province, and I sat across the table from the head of the KKK in that prison. And I asked him, hey, man, like, why do you feel this way towards people of color? And he said to me, pretty much, he just shared one experience of one person of color that it harmed to them, Hmm. right? And so I think it's a very common experience among people in that group. And yet I was able to have a conversation with him and challenge him on that, saying, hey, that's just one person. You can't judge all of us because of that one experience. And so sadly, even minority groups, we tend to sometimes hang on to some of those things, whether it's a business transaction or something, and fail to trust the other person.
0: Man, yeah, that, that's huge. I mean, and a lot of times that's really what's happening. A lot of times when I think about, you know, running to the to the tension of injustice, but running with the heart of reconciliation, oftentimes mm-hmm. we're not able to give, get over our own kind of cultural biases, our own kind of stereotypes right. and stigmas that have come because of whether it's a traumatizing thing that has happened to us in the past. And oftentimes right. we have to do that. And so I oftentimes talk about the rap model, that if we're going... To um, like build bridges and become advocates that we have to rep Christ in this REP. It's the idea of reflect personally, empathize corporately, and pursue reconciliation. That we got to reflect kind of on our own experiences because it's our story that we end up projecting on everyone, right? Is this like if you see another black man or another white man or whatever, that it's the stories of my interactions with previous white, black, Indian, you know, Mm -hmm. um, people that causes me to begin to project on the, whoever's in front of me, you know, and so we have to recognize that there, none of us are coming and entering into relationships objective. We have our prejudices. We are already prejudging and it's impossible for you not to prejudge. Right. But it's, but it's not allowing those prejudices to impact us. And so when you're in a a city so diverse as Toronto, where you're coming in with all different types of nationalities, all different types of experiences, and one bad experience can impact so much, you know, Mm -hmm. for us um, and so much for so many people. My question becomes to you is that you talk about the diversity in your church and how you celebrate the beauty. How do you put that on display? you know, for right. other people to see. How do, how do you celebrate that? How do you allow people that are not within your church to show the unity that Christ can bring, that he's torn down the dividing wall right. um, with the gospel? Right.
1: right. I mean, you know, look, this week uh, on Wednesday night, we were praying through uh, Ephesians 2. So we tried to select a portion and we read it and we prayed. And I was just telling our church, I said, the beauty of the first part of that chapter is God reconciles us vertically that there is an amazing reconciliation we who were enemies far off brings us near to god and he breaks the wall of hostility down yes. um, and so as i think of that and, and we prayed and our hearts were encouraged uh, because we have people of various nations in our in our in our in our congregation one of the ways we pray that we can do that um in a in a in a, in a joyful way is to we really try to have each other in our homes uh, we try to do things together. Um, we don't want to, for example, even um, in some places they'll say, okay, you have have a diversity of leadership, which is true, but we want to make sure it's not tokenism. Um, and so we want to, you know, so we've been praying, Lord, please, as a church, raise up leaders, elders, disciple makers, planters through this church that would be from all kinds of backgrounds. And so no. even in, in God's kindness, our elder, he's from Latin America. We have others who are being developed as disciple makers. Uh, we have two others who were just actually voting in on an elder this week. Uh, so from leadership uh, to everyone else, what we do, we want to be together of people of all kinds of backgrounds, experiences, thought, but have one conviction: that in Christ, uh, that we are equal in worth, value and dignity. We may be distinct in our color, in our language, in the foods that we like, but we want to bring this together. So when we invite people into our homes, they noticed that, hey, you know, Kesa Van is from Sri Lanka, the elder is from El Salvador, so-and-so is from Zimbabwe, um, and we're working together. We love one another. Uh, I mean, one of the things we missed this Sunday is, you know, it's hard not to hug your members. Hmm. It's hard not to have fellowship and food and, and, and just talk away and pray for one another. So I think we just want to let the genuineness of our fellowship with one another uh, and, and, and intentionally, work against being cliquish with sort of your own little circle all the time yeah. and, and and just fellowship widely uh, with each other. And I think those things are important.
0: Yeah, that, that's a great, great observation. And I love your the idea of inviting people into a relationship and specifically using your homes and leveraging the gift of hospitality. I think that's a very biblical um, approach to do that. My question to you in the last couple of minutes is this. Um, how do you keep everybody heading in the same direction, right? When you are all from a variety of different backgrounds and cultures, socioeconomic groups, so on and so forth, how do you keep everyone marching in the same direction, the same general way, keeping Christ? Because Christ can be expressed in so many different ways. Oftentimes, okay. specifically in America, I don't know there, but like a church has a unique feel. Like it is, you know, oftentimes unification means assimilation right, that they come and do things the way we do it, you know, right, and, right. and where it literally um, kind of you know, silences all the other kind of ethnicities in the group, and we are called to kind of assimilate into one group. Mm-hmm. In a church that is so diverse, how do you celebrate unity with diversity? How do you keep everybody going in the same direction? Because it's one thing to gather, but it's another thing to be on mission and marching together in one direction.
1: Absolutely. I think one of the ways is that we try to highlight stories and people's testimonies at least once or twice a month. And so, for example, we have a sister from South Sudan and who had a terrible flight from the war, from persecution. I mean, I listened to her story. I'm like, man, what I went through is nothing. Uh, And so from time to time, we'll we'll highlight those stories. Uh, You know, when somebody becomes a member, everyone gets a, a copy of their testimony. Uh, we want them to know. And if you've been a member for a while from time, to time, we'll call you up and one of our elders will interview you. So people can hear each other's story. We want to celebrate uh, the good things that the Lord has done, but also acknowledge and, and value what they've been through. Um, I think, for example, like we want to be this, the, the core culture of our local church to be a, is a culture of disciple. Hmm. So in the, in the, in the, in the culture of disciple making, is that we come together and we don't tell them all of a sudden, hey, forget your culture, forget all of this. No, I said, we want to put isn't before us is Christ. Uh, As a Tamil, um, I love our food. I love my culture. But man, I want to love Christ more and more, more than the things that are just tradition to me, right? And so uh, in our disciple-making process, we often pray how we can be intentionally affirming someone, not saying, hey, put that all behind. If it's a good thing, if it's a gift, if it's something that they can bless the church with uniquely, we want to invite them to serve the church Mm -hmm. and bless it and, and not be like, Hey, you just got to conform to our mold here. Uh, And want to ask good questions. And we want to be able to uh, have a culture where they can, where they can regularly speak with us, ask questions, a clarify thought where they feel like, Hey, I feel if I feel stuck, I feel I can't be who I am as a person from this country here. And Mm -hmm. sometimes we're blinded and we want to repent of that. Uh, in fact, our elder and I will have a conversation uh, very soon with someone who's struggling through some of those things. And we've invited them to say, please help us understand that if we um, fail to understand something, that we can repent of it and we can work together uh, to make sure that there's some clarity on some issues.
0: Man, that's huge. You know, the verse that came to mind, I was kind of flipping through my Bible and um you know, and that it came to mind is it goes back to Romans chapter 15 to 7 that I hear you cultivating. Romans 15 to 7 says, Therefore, welcome one another just as Christ also welcomed you to the glory of God. And I see that that is something that is a way that you are overcoming kind of the racial divisions, the ethnic tensions, and being able to establish a church that is undivided. So, man, I really appreciate you jumping on with us today. Well man just know that even though you got a brother in the, in the in the states many a family that is in the states we are cheering you on we are praying for you and we just you know we want you to know that we are sin Network and we, we love you man so appreciate you brother
1: thank you brother
0: you have been listening to we are sin Network a resource of the North American mission movement For more information about today's podcast and other relevant resources visit sendnetwork.com.